moment that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand.
So we made it to the end of the week. It is Friday. Yeah, man. Looking forward to the weekend. Church this Sunday. Last week, Pastor did a sermon on the Beatitudes. Really, I'll tell you, he's blessed by God. And I'm so thankful that, uh, you know, we have this church to go to. So that song, Cult of Personality, look the lyrics up and really think about what that's talking about. Uh, you know, go deeper than just the surface there and, and see. So let's go deep. That's the name of this episode. Let's go deep and in our understanding. And then the name of the show is Let's Talk. My name is Mike. My email address, if you want to correspond, is let's talk mike one at gmail.com. Let's talk M I K E, the number one at gmail.com. Let's say our prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, O oh Lord, that this be the day that in Jesus' name, those who aren't saved, Lord, those who haven't repented, those who are still on the fence, Father, not knowing, I pray, I pray, Lord, that this show or someone who hears it or someone who's already blessed and gifted with your Holy Spirit through their salvation in Jesus Christ could help that individual, Lord, to understand and realize the need for salvation, for the repentance, for the washing away of sins by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I, play for, I pray, Father God, <clears throat> at this moment, at this time, that I bless with my heart, my tongue, and my mind, that I speak your words, Father, I always pray, and that your will be done. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen and amen. All right. Our first scripture is coming out of the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And that's the end of that. God bless for the word of God. Man, I'll tell you, gets me through every single day without doubt. So, let's move along. In a speech delivered to the American Newspaper Publishers Association in April of 1961, just happens to be the year I was born, President John F. Kennedy said, the very word secrecy, and I quote, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our way of life is under attack. Those who make themselves our enemy are advancing around the globe. No war ever posed a greater threat to our security. If you're waiting, awaiting a finding of clear and present danger, then I can only say that the danger has never been more clear and its presence has never been more imminent. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covert means for expanding its sphere of influence. 
an infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditures question, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. That's the end quote. You can look that speech up online. It's really powerful, really, you know, when you think about the world that we live in and what's going on and the different things I've talked about in the past, you know, this was 1961 and he was, you know, pretty much laid it out. Interestingly, uh, General Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, in his uh, farewell address to the nation, <coughs> excuse me, talked about the military industrial complex. And in that speech, he laid out similar to what Kennedy did just a few short years later. Kennedy succeeded uh, Eisenhower as president. Um, interestingly, Kennedy beat Nixon, by the way. <laughs> Nixon was vice president under Eisenhower. Anyways, they said a similar thing. But it's interesting that I believe, in my heart of hearts, that Part of the reason why Kennedy was assassinated was because of that speech and other things he had said and decisions he was prepared to make as president. I believe that they said, you know, oh, no, no, this guy's got to go. But that's just my personal opinion, based on evidence, but still it's my opinion. So I got to say, I'm in complete agreement with that declaration, and I'm going to add that in my opinion the great whore of all the earth, not the great whore of Babylon that we hear tell of in the in the Bible, but I can refer to the great whore of all the earth is just exactly that. All the massively wealthy Satanists that make up the world's various secret societies to include in name the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, and others. We'll get to another one here shortly and their empire, and that basically they own the world's wealthier families and their corporations. These people, you you got to understand, these people have so much money that they loan it to governments of the world. Countries are in debt to these individuals through the banks and so forth and so on. Isn't that amazing? Anyways, we know the leftists have orchestrated, back in 2020, a nationwide effort which just subverted the voting system in this country. And it was all for the benefit of the few. Now, whose name or authority was this done under? Can we put a name to it? 
I'm going to use one, one individual in particular, because he's probably the most powerful. Philanthropists donate money and property to needy individuals and institutions for the purpose of advancing, we'll say like, you know, human welfare, security, and happiness. You wonder who's happiness and security, but anyway. Indeed, the root of the philanthropy literally means love of mankind. <laughs> when you know and really understand, I mean, I'm not laughing because it's funny, but when you know and understand what's really going on, you know, really, for the love of mankind, are you kidding me? There couldn't be a more selfish, self-centered agenda than what's going on right now. And they're over here, you know, as of late, as a matter of fact, you know, Biden once again got up on the stage going, you know, the people like me and so forth are, you know, we're the evildoers, we're just, you know, we're, we're you know, anti-establishment, anti-whatever, all the things they are, they're accusing us of. Let's just put it that way. That keeps it simple and easy. What they're saying we are is what they're are, is what they are and what they're doing. And that's plain to see by the, you know, right up until today, history-wise. Now, this individual I'm going to talk about, you may have heard his name before or not. George Soros is typically, his name is typically preceded by billionaire philanthropist. But here's a problem. There is a problem. If it's for the love of mankind, then how come for decades this Hungarian-born left-wing billionaire has supported, advocated, and bankrolled everything rotten, subversive, destructive, hateful, and evil? Where do you think the money comes from to pay these unemployed derelicts that for four years under Trump and whatever else before and since, you know, literally burned down cities and everything else like that. That was funded by Soros, all right? That's the kind of money and power he has. Now, one another instance is currently it's the most often heard his name with, as I just mentioned, radically pro-criminal district attorneys across America. Remember, the district attorneys are the ones that have the authority, quote-unquote, to either prosecute or not criminals. And in our day and age, they seem to think that they can subvert the Constitution, Bill of Rights, and the Declaration and everything else. They see it in their own little you know, vision, not what the, you know, what the founding fathers said. You got to remember something. Lady Justice or, you know, Justice, she stands there with the scales, right? And she's blindfolded. In other words, she's blind to whether you're rich or poor, whether you're white or black or anything else in between. Justice in, doesn't mean that justice is blind, but the execution of justice should have no bearing on who you are or what you are or where you come from. That's the, uh, the meaning behind an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I can't presume to walk into court with nothing more than a public defender, no disrespect, and my, you know, my adversary here has, like, you know, the greatest and one most wonderful lawyer in the world. That's an imbalance, 
all right? And if they have all this, that, you know, so there should be no imbalance. But anyways, let's move on. So these DAs, as I'm saying, have transformed America's absolutely most beautiful, dynamic, and storied cities into degraded, crime-infested hellscapes of skyrocketing murder, rape, robbery, rioting, arson, drug abuse, and wild mass shoplifting episodes, and any other mayhem that you can imagine, and it's led to nothing but property loss. That's not even theirs. They've destroyed other people's property with no regard. They've created suffering and death, all right? The problem now is people are trying to leave those cities because <laughs> there's nothing there. Any, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a desolate landscape. But where are they going to go and how are they going to get there? These radical progressive prosecutors constitute only the recent manifestations of Soros and his agenda and those that, you know, he, he supports or that support him. He also, Soros, and we see this in our laws today in different states, cities, and towns. They want to legalize drugs. He supports euthanasia. He funds Black Lives Matter. He is, bottom line, a socialist and globalist who supports, amongst other things that I've mentioned and will continue to mention, open borders and defunding the police. That's no secret, all right? He's for devaluing America's currency. He told the Financial Times that an orderly decline of the dollar is actually desirable even though that amounts to an outright theft of America's life savings and investments. He doesn't care. He favors the destruction of America's sovereignty. In favor of what? You got it, global governance. Big surprise, right? And let me tell you, even though he's a Jew, he does not like Israel and has supported her enemies. He detests truthful news and funds organizations that daily attack only the free press America currently has. So what's really going on inside the mind and soul of George Soros? Now, even though conservatives generally regard him as akin to the evil emperor in Star Wars, he he really reminds me of him. Put the black cape on him and the hood and whatnot. There you go. Anyways, you know, the empire's shadowy and uh, behind-the-scenes power. There's George Soros. He represents the lifeblood, indeed life itself, to hundreds of organizations on the far left. They see him as a messianic figure, a revered leader, like a godfather. Not like Marlon Brando, the godfather, but, you know, almost a god itself, who provides good things for his children. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Anyways, again, I'm not laughing because it's funny. He admits... He wants to recreate the world in his image. Wow. Like a god. That characterization, listen, pay attention, is not an opinion. It's not rhetorical flourish. Living out his messianic fantasies and openly likening himself to a some kind of god is precisely how George Soros, ironically an atheist and self-hating Jew, as I said, 
He describes himself in, in his more candid moments, that he is a God. Listen to what he said. This is a quote from George Soros. I fancied myself as some kind of God. If truth be known, I carried some rather potent messianic fantasies with me from my childhood, which I felt I had to control. Otherwise, they might get me in trouble. Real briefly here, Hitler, as well as other despots, thought the same thing. Now, Soros goes on to proclaim that America, listen, is a threat to the world, run by, get this, a Republican Party that is the devil child of an unholy alliance. Who you calling the devil child of an unholy alliance? <laughs> really? <laughs> Man, I'm telling you. <laughs> See how they, you know, they spin it? This guy, I mean, I don't mean no disrespect, but I don't want to be him when he stands before the Lord God. No thank you, no thank you. Let's look at Acts 20 real quick. Now, the book of Acts, if you don't know, is a um, the writings by Luke, who was a physician, based on what he had seen or, or been told by the followers of the Lord and different witnesses and so forth and so on about the early stages in the beginning of, well, let's put it, the church and how it transitioned from primarily or, you know, exclusively for the Jews to the Gentiles. So everybody, according to the will of God and the plan of God, everybody is eligible for salvation, Jew and Gentile alike. And that's their stories in the book of Acts. So it says this, book of Acts, chapter 20, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. This is, uh, um, uh, and it goes on to say, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Listen, in these times that we live, I believe, based on what I'm seeing, based on what I know, based on what I'm hearing, and, and, and so forth and so on, through the Holy Spirit, which I know lives inside me, I have no doubt about that, that I'm a child of God, born-again believer in, in our Lord Jesus Christ. We're living in those days spoken of, not just to come, but they're here. All right? And as true believers, true followers of Jesus Christ, not the ones on the fringe and the fallen away, you know, the make-believe Christian. No, 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 no. As true believers, knowing what we know and understanding that, you know, we have understanding and wisdom and knowledge and we know the truth. Now, we may have a regular job in the world and all that kind of stuff, but let me tell you right now, it couldn't be more important in our walk with the Lord to be witnessing to others. 
Because the time has come. The time has come that, you know, men shall arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Grievous wolves, all right? Wolves in sheep's clothing. And quite honestly, keep it in perspective, we need to know and understand the politics in the world around us and what's going on to be able to connect it, all right? That's important. Well, keep that in mind. Now, moving on. Christians treat the book of Revelation like the priest and the Levite treated the wounded man in the parable of the Good Samaritan. They pass by it on the other side. They see it. They, You know, it's right there. You can't deny seeing it. But it's the same thing with prophecy. They avoid it because it seems too difficult to understand. Others feel overwhelmed by the present time to think about the future. Some are, are petrified to hear about it. All right? There were times in my walk with the Lord, and maybe even today, but not so much today, really, because it's a given. It's going to happen. There is nothing I can do personally to stop it other than preaching the gospel, reaching out to the unsaved, trying to, you know, bring understanding and wisdom and knowledge and truth that comes through the Holy Spirit to others. I know it's not a pleasant thing to think about. We want to think about the things we have, the you know, the, the, the graces and the mercies that we have, our homes, our nice car, you know, whatever the case may be. We need to be thinking bigger. We need to be thinking about somebody else besides ourselves, as in the unsaved. Now, I know there's tons of pastors haven't even preached from the book of Revelations, let alone any other prophecies. And sadly, it's not just because they don't understand it or they don't want, you know, they don't, they just don't want to be involved with that. But for some reason, they don't see the relevance to everyday life. And that's amazing. That's so befuddling. It's like, how do you figure that? Now, again, pastors and Christians, they just leave prophecies pages in the mystery that they believe it is and the misunderstanding. And to be honest with you, it's the only reliable information about our tomorrows. God says my people perish due to the lack of knowledge. If that's what he's saying then you see these are things meant for us to know and understand, not just go, well, that's, uh, you know, like Scarlett O'Hara, fiddly dee, I'll worry about it tomorrow. No, you better start thinking about it today, right this very minute, quite honestly. You see, God knows the end from the beginning and, and foretells the future with absolute accuracy. There isn't a single prophecy that's already come true that didn't come true exactly like God said it was going to. He told the people in Moses' day through Moses when they says, how do we know a false prophet? Well, if what they say don't come true right down to the dotted I's and cross T's and periods and everything else, they're garbage. Get rid of them. So you know the book of Revelations, other end time prophecies. It's literally a snapshot of events that are going to precede the literal end. All right? As we know it. I mean, the word revelation means unfolding of that which was previously hidden or unknown. 
So we need to pay attention. We need to be aware. Of the 216 chapters in the New Testament, check this out. There are 13... There, no, hang on a second. 216 chapters in the New Testament, 318 references to the second coming of Christ. That's, you know, let me say it again. 216 chapters in the New Testament alone, not the old, the new. Out of those chapters, 318 references to the second coming of Christ. Shouldn't we be like taking that serious? If we admitted all the prophetic you know, passages, you'd have to take one out of every 30 verses out. We'd have to skip 23 of the 27 books in the New Testament. For every prediction about the birth of Christ, there's eight about his second coming. Now, given the prominence in Scripture of prophecy, how can there be any doubt about its significance in our lives. You know, Jesus talked about the future and rebuked people who didn't recognize the significance of the events around them. In Luke 12, he said, hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? You see, the people of Jesus' day had become, quote-unquote, experts at reading meteorological indicators to predict the weather, right? Sound familiar? Yet they ignored the prophetic signs of the Messiah's coming. Listen, pretty plain to see this applies to us as well. Jesus expects us to investigate what the Bible says so that we don't perish due to a lack of knowledge. All right? This is a daily watch we need to be, you know, doing. All right? Now, in the days of the Old Testament, the prophets and the people of Israel, they kept waiting for the Messiah's arrival. Peter said in 1 Peter 1, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances regarding the first coming of Christ. They spent their lives, for the most part, diligently searching. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see many of the prophets were literally in, in, in intense prayer and meditation when they got the, the word from God. In the fullness of time, Jesus satisfied every detail of those prophets' predictions. He was a descendant of Abraham in the tribe of Judah, Genesis 12 and 49. He came from David's family line, Isaiah 9, born in Bethlehem, Micah 5. His name was Emmanuel. He was born of the Virgin, Isaiah 7. He based his ministry in Galilee, spoke in parables, and did wonders among the people. Isaiah 9, 6, and 61. He was betrayed, pierced for our sins, and crucified with criminals. Zechariah 11, Isaiah 53, and Isaiah 12. After his burial in a wealthy man's tomb, he rose again. Isaiah 53. All these predictions and others came true, right down, perfectly. It's, this is, 
as I've said before about my own life and, you know, studying and learning and stuff, <laughs> it is the most amazing and remarkable journey into this ironclad evidence for the integrity of Scripture. It's just like Jesus says, you found that treasure in the field and you sold everything you had to buy that field so that that treasure was yours. That's what it's like. And that's when it can be like for everybody, not just me. Now, I know prophecies can seem, you know, complex, but it doesn't have to be confusing if we understand what Scripture's predictions mean for our life here and now. And when we know the one who declares the beginning from the end, and Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega, we can face the future with confidence. And even though we may have those moments of fear and insecurity and, you know, trepidation, always remember the scripture. Very small. Be still and know I am God. That's another way of saying have unending peace and joy and solace in your heart knowing that regardless of what your eyes are seeing and your ears are hearing, no matter what may be being done to you, he has never and will never abandon his own. Ever. Never. Ever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for the truth and for the love and for the grace and the mercy that comes through you to our Father God in heaven. Thank you for the Holy Spirit which lives inside us and testifies of you. Thank you, O oh Lord God, for giving me and those of us who are your children the ability to preach your word, to let your will be known, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you, Father God, for every moment that we have to do your will. And may our prayers and our petitions, as always have been and always will be, heard by your ears and answered. And I thank you, Father God. In Jesus Christ's name, amen, hallelujah, amen. Hey, thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great weekend. Be careful, be safe, have fun. And I think Veterans Day is coming up here shortly too, right? So, to all of you, may the peace and grace and mercy and love of God our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, be with you always. And may you always know and remember that you are His. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.